The culture of your home is the incubator of character. You are the only mother that your child has. You're the only father that your child has. You're the only person who can be you in their life. And you have a lot to offer. Isn't the goal of parenting not that we have these 42-year-olds who are still coming home on time and cleaning their rooms, but that they actually leave and we have hardwired them for the virtues that we want to see in them? The thing we all have in common is that we are interested in our kids' future. I know the Parent Network exists to help moms and dads in whatever way you can, when you can, and how you can help moms and dads help their children have the future that God's promised them. Hello, welcome to the Parent Network podcast. My name is Katie Robinson, and we are here on episode 104, and I get to work with parents here at Port City Community Church in our children's ministry program, and I have Rich Biagini and Sue, his wife, with him. So would you guys like to introduce yourselves, and then we'll kind of jump into what we're talking about today. Yeah, so um, so my name's Rich. Um, Katie and I um, work together here in children's ministry uh, for almost 13 years. Yeah. Um, uh, my role here is the pastor of children's ministry, which means that I um, get to work with all of the staff and volunteers um, that lead kids and families across our campuses uh, here at Port City. Um, and I have the privilege of doing that uh, every day, which is really pretty incredible. And I'm Sue. I am married to Rich. We've been married almost 24 years. <laughs> and uh, we have three daughters who are all teenagers and um, have a lot of life experience with them already. <laughs> yeah, yes. eight, 18, 17, and 14. So that's going to date this depending upon when you listen to it. But <laughs> currently, 18, 17, and 14. Currently in the middle of all the teenagers. That's years. right. So you can't see it, but there's some gray hair uh, that we have <laughs> developed over the last few Daily. years. Daily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, we, Sue and Rich came and talked. We do um, topics classes, for which are for our Port City Kids families on Sundays. And Sue and Rich came and talked to us um, about what it looks like to navigate technology. So we're going to kind of jump into that conversation today. Um, and I'll kind of pose the question, like, what has this looked like for you guys over the year? How have you guys navigated technology? I know your kids are teenagers now, um, and you're currently navigating a lot of that. But what does that look like over the years, um, starting when they were kind of little? How have y'all navigated that? I think it's I think it's a funny kind of concept to think about technology at, at our age because we didn't grow up with the technology that our children have. Our parents didn't parent with the technology we have. And I can even think back to when we got married and we got a gift of um, some gift money and we bought a DVD player because <laughs> that was like high technology. Um, and that was just 24 yeah. years ago and you could only rent a few movies. Yes, I remember um, going to Blockbuster. <laughs> right. And kind of, you do, do like, remember, if you're old enough to remember this, you'd walk around the store and there was like one section of DVD movies and there was like 50 movies on there and 40 of them were The Matrix which is also right, time-wise, right. like where it was. Right. But like, that was like a huge deal. And I remember people gave us a hard time. They were like, why would you buy a DVD player? Yeah, what a waste of money. It was expensive. Money. I think it was like $400 for <laughs> that was. DVD player, but that was like a cool <laughs> wedding gift that you we got. You could get one for like $13 um, now. All that to say, I just, it, it does blow my mind how technology has advanced. Even in my lifetime, my adult lifetime are like raising kids lifetime. And so I, 
it just it just blows my mind. So how have we navigated it? I think through conversation, through wisdom of other um, friends, community, and family helping us with that. Um, here's yeah. little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's um, maybe worth talking about or just mentioning is that um, technology does create some unique challenges. But like, if you really start peeling back the layer, the source of the challenges are, are the same, right? Like you have as a parent, you have a particular way um, that you want your children um, to be. You have a particular way that you want them to process things and children have their own way that they want to do it. And so they are constantly um, bucking up against the wisdom that we have as parents. And so whether that is stealing the wagon to run across the Oregon Trail or whether it's, you know, going wanting, over the speed limit when yes. you told them not to. Yeah. Or wanting, <laughs> you know, or going to see a movie you're not supposed to or bringing your phone in your room where you're, you're not supposed to. Like, you know, I think if we behavior. if we boil it down to like um, really the root issue, which is um, I think trust. Um, trust in the relationship that um, children have with their parents. I think it makes it easier to navigate it. So the technology is changing all the time. It was a DVD player 24 years ago. Now it's, you know, smart glasses. Um, <laughs> the, the challenges are really kind of the same. Yeah. Well, I think um, one thing that you guys kind of mentioned that was helpful, I think, is that it's natural for kids to buck up against it. Like sometimes we think, gosh, why is this so hard? Like, why are we having the same conversation or why are we fighting the same battle? And my kids are, are younger. We're not to the place yet of them having smartphones, but I feel like a common thing that I hear parents talking about is that that seems to be a constant battle. And I think in some ways as a parent, that's um, relieving to be like, okay, just because we're having this battle and just because they want something different than how we see it, um, that's okay. Like it's okay to bump into those things. And as parents to try to find um, where that place is that you land um, together in that. Something you talked about, um, Rich, is that you guys have kind of a rule that your mm -hmm. family kind of goes by. So what is that? Um, and how has that helped navigate things? Yeah. So, so the rule that we have at the house is that um, a healthy use of technology is marked by its ability to enhance your real life relationships with the real life people that are around you. Um, so essentially, like if you are using technology and it is getting in the way of the relationships that you have with your family, with your friends, um, with your people um, in, in your home, um, then we would say that is um, uh, perhaps an indication that you're using technology in an unhealthy way. The flip side of that is that you can actually use technology. And, and I think this is an important distinction because when we think about technology, particularly when we think about technology as parents, a lot of times our posture towards it is fear-based, right? Because we are afraid of what our kids are going to encounter. We're going to afraid of what they see. Um, we're going to be afraid of what they hear, what people say to them, what strangers they interact with, and on and on and on and on. Um, but the reality is um, there's a, a, a boatload of like positive things about technology and, and ways that you can use technology to enhance your relationships with your kids, with your family, with your friends. Um, and, and we do that on a fairly regular basis sure. at our house. One of the things we talked about was a game that we play um, together in our living room. We do it um, fairly often, fairly often. Um, yeah, but we play a, a game that um, everyone in the house is on their individual phone playing this game um, that is also on the TV. And so um, we are using technology in that moment, 
but we are using technology to engage with each other and to get engage with our kids. Right. Cause I think, you know, again, there would be this old timey sort of thought of sitting around the table playing board games, which I mean, I love board games. We do that, like to do that. We do like to do that. But the reality is our kids um, also play games on their phones. And that's not something I'm like terribly good at. That's not my vibe. But if we can play games with them in our living room, that is enhancing our relationship. We're playing the game together. We're interacting together. That is enhancing our real life relationship sort of in a in a language they also understand. And that doesn't feel like, oh, mom and dad are making us play a game again. Like they're in it, they're involved, they're willing they're willing to do it yeah. joyfully. I, I think there's something about like extending ourselves to meet them what matter for what matters to them. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because um, like you were saying, I love board games also and I would rather do that. But if I'm meeting my kid in a way that um, is something that matters to them and something they can engage in, sure. I think... I think in some ways that's like bending to be like, okay, I see that this matters and we can still use this in a good way. Right. I think that's part of the also saying yes in parenting when you can, because sometimes we want to, to say no to a lot of things. And, and to like what Rich was saying, like that fear, like when we parent out of fear or we parent out of shame or we parent out of guilt, like those aren't feelings that that come from God. So if we're parenting from those spaces, like we're sort of removing the the gifts that God has given us as parents or, you know, darkening them a little bit. So being able to say, yes, we can play this game on our phones. We kind of look cool. I mean, our kids think we're awesome though. Yeah, and, and, for that moment. <laughs> yeah. And like, think about like, what is your, um, what is your, what do you want for, uh, for your children? Like, I mean, for us, like we would say we want to have our relation. We want to have a relationship with our children someday. There's lots of things we want for our kids. So that's just one of the things, but we want to have a relationship with them. So think about any relationship that you have with anybody, like a relationship requires two people that are moving in the direction of each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So how, how, how good of a relationship is it going to be if one person is firmly planted in a spot and constantly trying to drag someone in their direction? it does not communicate value to the person that you're trying to drag along. And it's probably not a great recipe for a relationship long-term. You can maybe as a, you can um, sort of like extend your will or your authority as a parent and drag your kids with you, but that's not a good recipe for a relationship. So what we have tried to do over time is um, move in their direction. And in the same way, like we're modeling for them what it looks like to move in the direction of relationship. Our hope is that they also then in turn move in the direction of relationship. Um, And that we have found to be a good way to um, promote a healthy relational culture in our house. Um, Try to, or try to influence. Yes. Healthy. So just sort of thinking about, uh, because I think this is important. So when we talk about um, using technology to enhance our real life relationships, Um, that's a pretty broad rule, right? One of the other things that we have said is that we have ways and places and times in our house where we've said, this is a time where we are going to be free from technology so that we can engage with, with each other in real, real, um, in real ways, in analog ways, I guess. Um, right. Because, um, we can use uh, technology to enhance our real life relationships, but that, can, that can't be the only way that we engage with each other. And so one of the rules that we have um, in our house is we have no phones at the table, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why is that a rule at our house? 
to just minimize distraction. <laughs> yeah. Like we want to be like fully present with each other. We want to be, um, in a place and in a mindset where we're not distracted and we're able to have conversations about our day because the phone goes off. As soon as you look at it, like you look away, you break away for a second. You've taken yourself out of the conversation and it just disrupts the, the flow of the conversation. So that's a place. We also have a rule. We say cars are for conversations. We do. Which our kids love that rule. <laughs> if you could see Richard's face, that was a little bit of a sarcastic <laughs> love. But I, yeah, think it's, yeah. I, think it's imp- I think it's important to note a little bit with some of these, because that's just who I am, um, that every time we're, we've set out the reminder, hey guys, cars are for conversations. It doesn't mean that the teenagers in our car are like, man, you guys are the smartest parents. I'm so happy you're saying that. I mean, there are moments it's met with um, eye rolling or I'm just writing one more text to my friend, you know, in an urgent fashion. And of course, we'll say something like, "Okay, cool, that's fine. Go ahead, finish. But just remember, this is what we desire for this, you know, 15 minute drive Mm -hmm. around Wilmington. Um, It's sort of a principle that we we try to have influence on. Yeah. So we do use the technology to enhance our relationships, but there are times and spaces where we've said we are going to not use technology during this time, during this place, um, so that we can have space for distraction free relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, um, those are also good reminders for parents. Like my kids aren't at the age where they have a smartphone in the car Um, but even for myself, like you were saying how quick it is to get a message and be like, Oh, I need to respond to this or, um, to be sitting at the table and my phone's right there. And, Oh yeah, I just remembered this thing I wanted to check or my kid asked a question and I'm like, I don't know the answer. I could look it up. Mm -hmm. Like how, how easy it is to become distracted, um, in those ways. And so even, um, for listeners who have younger kids, like reminding that for yourself of what are some moments, I think it'd probably be healthy to have some conversations with your spouse and say, what are some moments that we can carve out like that? Maybe Mm -hmm. it does look like at the dinner table. Maybe it looks like a certain time of the day or in cars. Like what does it look like to specifically carve out those times and start practicing them as parents so that they are habits that our kids can see. These are the decisions we make as a family, not just a decision for you, but for mm. all of us. Right. I think that's probably healthy. What are some other um, other things, maybe not like hard and fast rules that you guys have made, but some other ways that you've um, tried to model what it looks like um, to interact with technology for your kids to see? We would all say um, the choices we make influence the choices our kids are going to make, like they're watching us. So what are some ways that you guys have helpfully tried to navigate that yourselves? So I think that that makes me think about, um, this is a little bit of a principle, I suppose, but it does make me think about the fact that, um, I think that there is, there are ways that we can look at how we use technology, how we like, um, uh, um, assess how, um, how healthy we are when we're engaging with it. And a lot of times I think when we think about that, we think about, um, uh, measuring that in terms of time, right? So like if we spend two hours on our phone every day, um, some people would say that's okay. Some people would say that's too much. If you spend eight hours on your phone every day, some people would say that's too long. Some people would say that's too much. Um, I think time is like, a. um, uh, is not necessarily the most effective way um, to um, determine um, whether or not you're engaging with technology like in a way that's healthy. And so when I'm thinking about what I what we do with our kids, one of the things that we'll try to do or that I try to do is I try to, particularly when I'm around them, um, 
be mindful of how I'm using technology and um, not thinking about it in terms of time, but thinking about it in terms of quality. So what I'm actually doing. Mm -hmm. And so I might use, um, if when I'm around them, I might spend time like reading on the device or perhaps creating something on the device. Um, so that's one way I think that we've tried to do it is we've tried to, um, uh, use technology in a way to model for them what it looks like to use technology in a way that's actually um, healthy. The other thing I'll, I was just going to say, I think to your point, Katie, I do think that um, like there are times where um, I might as a parent see or perceive that this this space that we're in, that this would be a good time for us to have uh, technology put away. Um, and I don't know if you've ever done this as a parent. I have done this sitting on the couch. And I'm like scrolling on my phone and I'll look up and I'll go, hey, put your phone down as I'm scrolling on my phone. So I think just being mindful of like, to your point, like if, if we have rules for our kids about what it looks like to model um, healthy technology use, then I think it's important that we, um, that we model the same thing for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking of like little things that I feel like we tried to do. Like when I think about driving in the car, Again, like cars are for conversations or music or looking out the window or maybe arguing with a sister. I don't know what our children would say, but I think about when we use technology in a way that when we went on long trips, the kids got to watch movies in the car and that was like special. So technology wasn't used in the day to day driving around town that when we went on that eight hour, nine hour trip, they were like, yay, we get to pick out a movie. So it kept it kind of like fresh mm, and yeah. cool as opposed to just it like, being the constant. Yeah. Being the constant, which I think that mean, I think that means something. Um, and then I remember our kids would even say like, can we watch a movie in the car when we were driving around Wilmington? We're like, no, that's like for special time. So yeah. I, I think that just, maybe that was just a parenting hack as opposed to a full fledged principle, but it could be a principle like we're using technology at like predetermined times. You know, we would say to our kids, even now we go visit family, we go visit friends. We're going to do something. We will preemptively say again to teenagers, because I think they can be a little more impulsive, like just so everybody knows when we get to this location, we are putting our phones away. Mm -hmm. Like we're at grandma's, we're at the museum, like we're somewhere like just trying to have that conversation, that language is familiar to our kids. Right. They know that's not the first time in their lives we've arrived somewhere or we've said like, hey, this is going to be a designated sort of time. That that just language has always been used. So, so I, I feel like that's important as opposed to when they're 17, they're hearing that for the first time. They're just sort of like, okay, yeah, we get it. We understand your expectations. We have been having that conversation with them forever because we talked about it before they had smartphones. We talked about it with the TV. Like we're not just going to go to grandma's house and sit in front of the TV. But I do think to that point, like just to sort of circle back around on that same idea and to say, when we said, when we're going to grandma's phones are getting put away, we also had to, to put our phones away. Right. Cause we wanted to model for them what it looked like to engage with family in a real way, um, to pursue relationship that was distraction free. And so we did, um, whenever we had those rules, it was really important that we, that we said the same thing was true for us too. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think I'll also, um, I, I feel like I've thought about this. I read a book, um, called, unintentional it's like the un is in parentheses and then intentional and it's about technology um 
And it's about how technology is is purposefully created or intentionally created, but we often use it unintentionally. Um, and how we just, we use it often out of convenience or just because it's there or whatever reason. And we're not often thinking about it. Um, and it made me think um, just about in the morning, it being like the first thing I look at and the thought of it being the first thing my kids look at, which I'm aware that they are younger. And so that isn't an option at this point, but thinking about that being what forms and shapes them first thing in the morning, I've had to think for myself, like how easily that's the first thing that's forming and shaping me in the morning. Um, just because it's there, like just because Mm -hmm. it's convenient and it's a habit to pick up and start using. So in the same way you're at grandma's house and you're sitting on the couch, it's just a habit to pick it up because it's there and you're just sitting there. Um, but how can we carve out kind of those spaces? I think it's been cool. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's a really important thing, Katie. Um, Mike talks a lot about encounter formation expression, right? The stuff that we consume on our phones, whether we're reading or listening or watching, whatever it is, those things do um, form um, our hearts. They do form our thoughts. And those things are expressed outwards without without any question that happens. We know that that's true for us as adults. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think sometimes we forget that that can also be true for our kids as well. So like if you, one of the things that I... Um, I have not been as um, good about this um, in the last couple of years, but when my kids were younger, I was much better about having um, time when I got up. I would not look at my phone first thing in the morning. I wouldn't look at my phone until after we had dropped the kids off from school. And the reason for that was like, I wanted to, when I woke up in the morning to start my day with prayer, to start my day with quiet for the 30 seconds that I had it before everybody was in the room, but to start my day um, with my heart and with my mind focused in the direction of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And man, oh man, like if my phone doesn't distract me from that, if I think now when I get up in the morning, I still, to this day, I do say a very specific prayer every single morning. Um, and then I pick up my phone, mm-hmm. the thought um, or the space that I was in when I said that prayer is gone. Yeah, like so I've, I've, it's gone so fast. Mm-hmm. And so like, I do think we have to like guard, um, um, ourselves, um, against what it, uh, uh, um, against it's like not quite the right word, but just guard and be careful about what it is that we're consuming and when we're consuming it, because it does absolutely, um, shape our attitude. Uh, it shapes our, um, attitude towards our children, towards our spouse, Um, It absolutely affects our day. Uh, So yes, be so, so, so mindful about that. Those morning routines are really, really important. So when you pick up your phone first thing in the morning, um, just know that it is, there's a very high probability that it's having a very specific effect on your attitude as you start the day. And more than likely, it's probably not great. Right. Even if you think it doesn't, it still (laughs) does. does. Yeah. It does. It reminds me, um, Sue, one of the things you said that I've I have actually thought about a good bit since we had talked um, and you were talking about just how technology shapes or forms, but you were talking about something you remembered when your kids were little of how even them watching a show, how that has um, effects on them. And uh, maybe that's just the season that we're in, but I have thought about that several times and it's made me think of how I talk to them after they watch it. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And it, I, I can't take credit for this, but I'm, Quite we'll sure, <laughs> I'm quite sure I read it, uh, or perhaps I was uh, listening to, uh, because of my job, I, I engage in a lot of different professions, um, other helping type professions. Anyways, um, essentially they said whatever amount of time your kid spends on a screen, whether that's TV or a phone or a tablet, so let's just say 
one hour watching a TV show, it takes their brain 30 minutes to downshift after that that period of time. So whatever time it is, cut it in half. It takes 30 minutes for them to sort of recover. Downshift is the way that I like to explain it. Change their sort of brain chemistry to be receptive to doing something. So if your kid's been watching a TV show, whether it could be family movie night, really, it could be a family movie night and it's going on for an hour and then the movie ends and you immediately go, all right, everybody go go, do all these different things. They're pretty likely to sort of not want to do it. Yeah. Like their brain just sort of hasn't downshifted. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important. There literally have been times where I'm like, all right, I know my kids were watching a movie. I know they were doing something on a screen. I'm going to give it a little bit of time before I kind of come in with my requests right? Um, or to, or change of scenery just to give their brain a, a chance to recover. Sometimes yeah. I think it's like coming out of a dead sleep. When you come out of a dead sleep, you're a little <laughs> bit like, where am I? What's happening? I think um, the way that technology affects your brain is, is similar in the sense it, it needs a little bit of a shifting time. Yeah. yeah well, that's, can I, I was just going to add yeah. to that really quick. I think that's really important because when we, when we think about how we help our children navigate technology, again, we think about it often in terms of time, right? So like how much time are we going to allow our kids to have? But the reality is like what Sue's describing, I think reminds us that there is a little bit of subjectivity in that. And so like, if you notice after your kids have watched a movie for an hour that they're super irritable or they're very impatient or they're seeming particularly selfish or exhausted or yeah or yeah yeah, like you you might that may be an indication that they are spending too much time on their devices and as a parent like their your kids are not going to see that for themselves um and when they're old enough to perhaps perceive it and you tell them it's not going to be received particularly well either probably but i do think though like thinking about how technology affects our brain how it affects our attitude how it affects our responsiveness um to the world to the people around us i think is a far better way to measure um, how much uh, time with technology is healthy um, versus thinking about it specifically in terms of uh, minutes. Just time. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think my natural inclination is we watched a show like you were able to chill out. So now you should be ready to do something. It's actually not chilling out. Like there's so much research that says it's it's not chilling out. Well, but if you think about for yourself as an adult, um, it's, you know, if we could just chill out and watch Netflix all day, yeah, but I like, I just want to do something mindless, but it doesn't, it doesn't actually feel mm. refreshing when we do right. that. We think it will, because we think it's going to be mindless and we're going to be able to check out and, and relax, but that actually isn't like life giving in that mm-hmm. way. So in the same way, I think, oh, I just let my kids watch a show for an hour for 30 minutes. Like they were able to chill out. So mm-hmm. now they should be ready to listen. And it never works that way. So mm-hmm. when you said it, it, it literally soon, never works. It never does. And, and I remember hearing that again, pit of research or something. And I was like, oh my goodness, that literally makes so much sense. Yeah, when you said it, it, I thought the same thing. It was a changer in in my house and in our life and how I Mm. sort of parented around some of that. For sure. Yeah, because it never does work. And so you're like, why not? And then you just get frustrated that they're feeling selfish, but they were just fed this, this engaging, exciting thing for an hour. And so of course they want more of that. Not, okay, now I'm good to do whatever you say mom. Yeah. And if this sounds crazy to you, like as a parent, think about a time where you've spent several hours on your device. Cause mm. a lot of people have, right. how do you feel when you get off of it? Right. 
like you don't actually feel better. Yeah, you you're don't not refreshed. No, yeah. you do not feel more refreshed at all. You actually oftentimes feel quite a bit worse. Right. Sometimes you feel a little bit like depressed or tired um, or anxious. Um, so if you're wondering if that's actually true, just think about like what you feel like. Be mindful of how you feel when you get off of um, uh, being on your device, particularly if it's for a long period of time. And I think that will start to make so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a um, it's a helpful thing to be aware of that because we are going to have times we're going to go on a nine hour car ride and I'm we very are, thankful for technology in those situations. Yes. Like there are definitely times that things are just crazy at my house and I need to put on a show <clears> for thirty <throat> minutes because we I need to be able to get some things in order for us to continue. But so it's not all it's not we need to cut this out because it's all terrible. But it's an awareness of here is the effect that this is going to have. And so how is that going to therefore change the way that I talk to my kids after we turn this off so that we can navigate this well? Because we're not going to, I mean, for our family, we're not going to just never, ever use technology. So how can we figure out some things that are helpful as we're navigating through this? Um, I think something that's really cool is um, when I had talked to you guys before we did the class and in the class, I kind of said like, can you give me some really practical rules or some really helpful things to like know? And um, it's funny because I don't, I, not in a bad way. I didn't get like a, mm -hmm. yes, if you do this and if mm -hmm. you make sure of this and if you set this time standard, everything will go well. <laughs> um, which I didn't necessarily think that was going to be, but I, I think it surprised me that there weren't some hard and fast rules that are really, really helpful. Um, but I think part of that is because you had a different way of thinking about how you navigate these kind of things. So can you kind of touch base on if I was to say like, um, tell me some rules that are really helpful as we navigate technology with parents, like what w would your response be and why? I mean, I, I think one of our bigger, I would say a rule is that phones didn't, when our children were old enough to get phones, um, they were not charged in their bedrooms. They were kept mm -hmm. in like a common area, our bedroom or like our living room kitchen area that they weren't given permission to take that phone into their room at night or after a period of time when they were younger teenagers, there was more of a time older teenagers. It's kind of when their time goes off, like just it, it's a little bit fluid, but I think having technology more in common spaces, even when they were younger computers were in our living room. Um, still, I mean, it still it is for still the most is part. like now they all have homework and they have different like spaces, but so there is some flexibility again, now that they're older high school students, but for a long time, it was very steadfast, like common area, common technology. Right. Um, also our kids were told their cell phones aren't private. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that I, I know there are different styles of parenting and I've, we've engaged in many conversations with people we love and care about, and maybe we have agreed or disagreed, but we have very much said to our children, your phone isn't private. Like nothing you type, nothing you take a picture of is actually private, like educating them partially on how cell phones work. Mm -hmm. um, but that um, we will be at times looking at their text messages or their pictures or their activity. Um, that That is... That is what we're going to do. Yeah, and they've bristled at that um, at a, in a lot of times, but we remind them that we are doing that because we love them, um, mm -hmm. because we're their parents and we want to help them. And, you know, there have been times where we have encountered things that are on their phone that have um, um, 
have necessarily meant that it was going to be helpful for us to have a conversation with them about what we saw, what we observed, what we read. Um, yeah, I was, was going to say, like, we have, I have seen things that my children have texted or have received a text that I've been like, well, that's a little uncomfortable. Okay, <laughs> well, here's the reality that may not warrant a conversation with me. That is some teenage conversation. It is not dangerous. Like I'm not, I don't want to respond again out of fear. I see it. I don't love it, but I know what's going on. But on the flip side, we have also seen some things that I've said, like Rich and this I, does have seen, this, this does warrant a conversation, not necessarily like a punishment or a consequence, but like that text went too far. That picture is too much. And then because we have set up your phone, isn't private. In moments, I've said to my kids, it's kind of become a joke. The only thing private is write it on a piece of paper and eat it. That's the only way it's private. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it's there for the world, too. Right. Um, and so perhaps because we've utilized, like, your phone isn't private. Not because we pay for it, because I think you can get into weird arguments with kids when you start going, it's because I pay for it. No, it's just because it's not private. Um, so, again, we've had conversations where we've seen things and and want to talk about and I've also seen things seen things I'm like okay that's not a conversation it just makes me uncomfortable it's their parent but don't have <laughs> right to jump I can in. let some of that go right mm. right I mean you used a particular word um in everything that you just described like uh, a bunch uh, and the word is conversation right and that is the way that we have tried to navigate technology in our house um um, you, you really can't have a relationship with somebody if you don't have conversation with them. Um, and so we have tried to establish a culture of having conversations with our kids from the time that they were really little um, through where they are now. Our oldest is um, out of high school. Um, we have tried to say, like, what do we want our relationship with them to be like someday? What kinds of conversations do we want them to have with us someday? And do we want to have with them someday? And then we have been able to describe those things between the two of us. And then we have tried along the way to enter into conversations, to model conversations, to do things that move us in the direction of the place that we want to go. So when it comes to technology, um, I mean, even in this short conversation, we talked about DVD players and, you know, now smartphones and soon to be, you know, Apple's Vision Pro that's like out there. I mean, there's all of this technology that is um, constantly changing. It's evolving much faster um, than most people feel like they can probably keep up with. And so instead of being burdened by the fact that you can't keep up with it, I think saying like, hey, we're going to always talk about this stuff. We're always going to have conversations about it. We're going to create a culture in our house where having conversations about things that are that we want to celebrate, but also things that are hard. And we want that to be a normal and natural um, way of being in our house. And so we've just tried to establish conversation, um, conversation, conversation, conversation. conversation. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. love that because I think it also in some way takes the pressure off of having to know the right answer. Like what our kids are, um, what y'all's kids are navigating in the teenage years is going to be different than mm -hmm. what my kids are navigating. And you guys probably have learned some things over the years of doing it that if everything stayed exactly how it was, then, then of course parents could be experts on how to navigate it. But like you said, things are always changing and evolving. And so if we can have a place where 
um, we can have conversations with our kids about it. And, and like you said earlier, I think, Hey, I'm doing the best that we can, like with the knowledge that I have, with the information I have, I'm trying to lead you the best I can. And I need you to trust me, even if it doesn't fully make sense to you. And I'm not saying I, I know it either. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know all the answers, but I'm trying. And then I think being able to have conversations and your kids say, well, what about this? Or this is how I think I could do it. And being able to bend in some ways, um, I think that is a really healthy place to land because you want your kids to know you don't know everything, I think. Like you don't want, we don't want our kids just to think we're perfect or else they're going to have an incorrect view of the gospel as they grow up. Um, and so how can we have open door for conversations as we are navigating this and really land on trust. Yeah, I think there are, there are some practical ways to do that. Uh, there were some questions that we tried to ask uh, pretty regularly when our kids were little. So I would say to them, uh, tell me more, like, tell me how you do that. Like, mm -hmm. show me how. So they would like tell me something on their phone and I'd be like, oh, like, show me how you do that. Tell me about that. And so they would like show us and they kind of like open the door for us to have conversations about it. We might say, um, uh, what's the most like surprising thing that you saw today while you were on your phone? Or what was the craziest thing that one of your friends said while you were on your phone or that you read or that you saw? We're sharing funny memes. Yes. Like trying to, I'm not great at texting or that's, that's just not who I am. But um, my kids, again, older teenagers have more access to some of that. And so there are times after dinner's kind of done, done, they'll be like, oh my gosh, this funny video. And I'm like laughing along with them. Right. Or I'm like, oh, I saw this video that was funny. And there's mm -hmm. an engagement uh, piece there. Yeah. So open-ended questions, right? Not yeah. like, did you see anything bad on your phone today? Right. But like, hey, like tell me what's something that was like surprising to you that you saw today right. and just let them talk. Um, and that's just a good way to, I think, set up the table for um, just good, good conversations. Yeah. And as parents, I think remembering that the, the way we view technology is so different than how our kids view it. And they are, I mean, my oldest had a Chromebook in her kindergarten class last year and mm -hmm. could tell me all the things she was doing on it. And that is like crazy to me. Um, I, we got a computer in like high school, mm -hmm. so it is just different. And so knowing that it's different and instead of trying to push on our view of it, like meeting them where they're at and, and, and encouraging that in some ways, cause that is their reality. Yes. Yeah, so I think to that point. So like when you're talking about rules and things, it's, to say you're going to have some rules in um, your life and your family around technology is just such an incomplete way to think about it because the technology is changing so much. So I think it probably is better to say that you have some principles in mm -hmm. your family that you want to operate underneath. You have some values that you have for your family that you want to frame the way that you guys approach technology together is probably going to be um, much more effective over the long term than trying to place limitations on whatever particular kind of technology is the flavor of the day, because next week it's going to be something totally different. Right. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Always changing. It's exciting Always to me. It is yeah. exciting to me. Well, thank you guys. Um, I appreciate you guys sharing with us and, and talking as we navigate this. Um, this was our last topics for 2023. Um, so be on the lookout. We will have some more topics classes for next year um, as we continue to, to navigate these different things that our kids are facing and just try to trust God um, in what it looks like to navigate those things well. So thank you guys. You're welcome.